0: Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine, with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Curland, and I'm the author of Clicker Training for Your Horse and many other books and DVDs on clicker training. And normally I'm joined by Dominique Day, who's one of the co-founders of Cavalia. But in this podcast, instead of Dominique being able to join us, we're sending her a postcard from italy which is kind of fun i've been over in germany and italy for the last two weeks and i'm joined today by uh, michaela hempen who's one of my click the teaches coaches and rebecca schultz who's a member of the online course so we have so many fun things to share and to tell Dominique about and to tell all of you about that before Rebecca and I get on an airplane tomorrow, we thought we'd do a recording. So we Michaela and I recorded last week when we were three days in to the Anya Baron workshop. So Anya gives a day off during the week. So we had uh, an amazing adventure. And I think we talked about the cow last time. Which was great fun. And our trip to the castle, Cinderella Castle, really. Mm -hmm. And then it was back to Anya Barron's. And let's see, on. on Sunday. Well, it was Friday at that point. Friday would have been Friday. Back to
1: Anya was Friday, yes.
0: Yes. And on that day, the focus was on canter work and liberty training. And then Saturday, the focus was on in hand work. And it was, it was really fabulous. The canter work was so clear, how you build from the beginning stages. But Rebecca, you joined us midway, so you joined us on the Thursday. So that was your introduction. So what were, what were your general impressions when you first started watching on Thursday?
2: well i started watching on friday right on friday. first oh, i got to meet you guys on thursday and since we had never met in person before that was the first exciting part of the trip i think and i actually got to listen to the recording of the last podcast which was super cool so when i when we went to Anya's on friday um, i was just so amazed and stunned i knew about Anya's work before i have read several of her books and uh, watched some dvds but being there in person was just like entering a whole new world and
0: um just seeing those very well i'm going to interrupt for a second because you have a you have a background in dressage writing yes and so how was was this what you're used to seeing was it different what were you what were your impressions based on your history as a
2: rider. I think seeing the work at Anyas with Anya and her first rider Vera, um, everything looked way more effortless than what I'm used to see. Everything looked more I saw way more happy horses, better balanced horses, that's for sure. They were very fine on the eights and even the younger horses, um, there was never any stress level And even when they tried certain movements that the horses are not familiar yet with, it always looked effortless, like it was the easiest thing for both horse and rider. Couldn't really see any struggle.
0: It's a great example of the expression, prepare, prepare, and let it happen. That what we were seeing was the result of very systematic, slow preparation, I loved when she was doing the Spanish walk and she brought out a very young horse who was just learning it and she showed the very first steps of what you would be teaching and that you're just teaching the lift of one leg and then you're not trying to get step after step and then she brought out a horse who was a little further along and until you had the horses who had a very beautifully developed Spanish walk. And somebody asked about the one of the horses who was really just beginning the process where we could see that the, the horse could do what she refers to as the polka, where it's one leg up, walk two strides, one leg up, walk two strides. And she said, oh, it takes about a year and a half to get to that point. And I thought that was so powerful to hear because oftentimes when you see something like that presented you think oh well I should be able to get it in a couple of days I should be able in a couple of days to go from what I was seeing in the first horse to at least midway through the process and if I can't what's wrong with me and when you hear that someone who's that skilled that the performance unfolds over that length of time that careful preparation and that's why we're not seeing stressed horses so Michaela, what were your general impressions from the last two days? We had so many treats in those last two days.
1: Yeah. So the counter work was uh, certainly stood out, um, but overall, seeing uh, because I'm going every year, so to see uh, the development in in the horses over the years, some we didn't see this year for various reasons, but um, some she presented again and. Uh, to always see what they have learned in, in, in one year and how they developed is always nice. Yeah. Nice to see. What I also like very much is the whole the whole atmosphere. The the people coming every year and or new people who come for the first time, it's always a very familiar atmosphere, really friends. It feels like friends. It's because it's a, it's a smaller group, all very appreciative of of Anya's work and and Anya is also very close with us. so it's um it's it's not a it's not a show or anything. It's sort of uh, feels like a family. Yes, a
0: she definitely does not feel like someone who is unapproachable at all, that if you have a question, if you're not understanding that she would definitely answer your questions and and really, Try to help you to understand. You don't feel that sort of that there's a wall there, that uh, we're on one side and could never cross over and, and understand what's, what's going on. And I particularly love seeing how much the horses that started out with really severe, severe physical problems are able to, to do so much in their bodies that are so comfortable and that this work over and over and over again you see the evidence of good gymnastic work that it really does help horses to be sounder and you've seen that because you've been coming over the eight years you really have seen that you've seen these horses that began as three or four or five-year-olds and and came into the barn with issues and that now you see them as they're developing it.
1: Yeah, the other thing that stood out for me was, um, as we talked uh, during one of the breaks with Anya, she was saying that as a young rider, she was super happy if she was able to ride a transition, a canter transition with a round balanced horse. And she thought, oh, I managed to, to ride a round canter. And now she's saying that sometimes even the walk is too difficult and she spends the whole training session in walk because she feels all these subtle shifts of uh, balance to the right and to the left and it's always searching for even more and more and more finesse that for for us is you know we wouldn't be able to see any of this but so she she may be working
0: a whole lesson only in the walk right right yeah i like that a lot right a whole lesson that she was anticipating doing the canter work or working on some aspect of the trot but actually the walk is just so interesting and important and the more she studies it the more details she reveals for herself and the proof of that is how beautifully these horses are going yeah yes she
1: also says is the you know the counted walk Hmm. so it's not you know it's not just walk there are all types of qualities of walk so you can have a rushed hurried walk, you know, and many of the sports riders wanting the horse to, to, you know, to track up to have a, you know, maybe a hoof print of the hind, hind end over the front end. Uh, and they aim for that. And she said that is one, it depends on the horse. And it's also not what you aim for. So she looks for a, what she calls a counted walk. So it's, it's a Slow doesn't define it, but it's no. a it's a, a it's a collected walk from which the horse can go into any transition. It can go into a canter, it can go into a backwards, it can go into a sideways movement, you can go into a halt. So you have the whole horse with you. Both of you could change in any direction, but yet you are very calm. And it's a slow movement. And in such a slow movement, she says the horse can bend the joints and do the movement correctly without stressing the joints. So you can do the sideways movements, uh, yes, healthily, and the horse can think about it, the rider can think about it. And that nowadays, most people don't ride the walk. They just have the horse walk on a long rein, and then they start trotting. They're not riding the walk.
0: I'm glad you talked about that, because if you are expecting to see that the horse is tracking up into so its hind foot lands in the step of the front foot or they're over tracking because that's what you've been taught a walk should look like when you go to Anya's at first it'll look wrong really surely that horse needs to be walking on walking out walking faster striding up and yet that what she calls the counted walk that's what my eye was trained to to look for. And what I was taught to ride as well. And you're right, it's not slow. It's not sluggish. It's fully energized. But there is such control. It's when we do in the clinics, when we do the body awareness exercises with people, and I have them go into what I refer to as the Tai Chi walk, where you're rolling over your foot. And that's a very deliberate and controlled step that would be the human equivalent of the counted walk. So if we want to experience what it does for a horse, or what it does for us, that's how we would do it, how to understand it better. Yeah, so it was, it was a phenomenal, phenomenal week at Anya's. And we finished up on Saturday by going to a medieval fair. That was, that was different. <laughs> <laughs> That was very different I, th- I think i'm going to turn the mic over to somebody else to, to share that experience
1: no it's a kaltenberger Ritterturnier. thank you so it's a medieval <laughs> festival um, in a village nearby uh, anja and the connection is that the prince of bavaria uh, who is organizing this event yearly uh, actually is breeding horses and uh, it's a it's a rare Breed uh, that they are maintaining, and he gave one or more stallions to Anya in training, and uh, so that's why where the connection is, and he always offers the course participants to come and come to the come to this festival basically. And part of the festival, um, apart from people clothing in medieval outfits, is uh, a stunt show with jousting, and it's um, the team of Mario Lureski who's uh, very well-known stunt rider and this year we had Clémence Fevre, if I remember right, Clémence yeah. Febre, who's a, well a show rider, trainer, Liberty trainer, show rider and um, so <laughs> apart from the stunt riding <laughs> you know <laughs> and the uh, jousting um, there was also some presentation of movements we have seen well, on on, 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 a, on a superficial level right. uh, to what we've seen at Anya, So you would see Spanish walk, we would see Piaf. some sort of Piaf, some oh. sort of. But the difference was just so obvious. The difference between show writing, where the audience uh, goes, oh, right. and what we've seen at Anya's was just, I mean, the contrast was so huge.
2: Well, I don't really have anything to add to that. I think you explained pretty well um, what that festival was all about. But I think what I would like to highlight just to uh, finish up with the experience at Anya's is me coming from a physical therapy and Pilates background, I was really amazed on how well Anya and her first rider Vera were sitting on the horse, how balanced they are, how well their muscle tonus is, how able they are to um, sit on the horse and letting the movements of the horse kind of flow through their own bodies. And you could see that even when they were just standing there or you were talking to them, like when they stand in front of you, they are in complete balance. And since we talk about this a lot in clicker training as well, I just thought it was worth highlighting it because um, it was super, super amazing. I mean, these two women sit on the horse like nobody I've ever seen before they're completely quiet their aids i mean their hands are completely separate from the rest of their bodies they just know what to do in which circumstance in complete balance <laughs> and that was like for me that was very very
0: great to see again i'm i'm really glad that you highlighted that and of course one of the great treats of the last day was the presentation ride that Anya and Vera did. And Vera is riding side saddle in the most elegant, beautiful outfit. And she sits so magnificently. You know, the the bearing that she has and so quiet and it's an absolutely exquisite, exquisite picture. That alone is worth the trip to watch Mm -hmm. that. What a treat. But these are two people who ride 10, 11, 13 horses a day, six days a week, year in, year out. They are incredibly fit for riding. So what can the rest of us who don't have the opportunity to ride that many horses, what can we be doing to help our riding? when we're not, when we don't have that opportunity.
2: Yeah, first of all, um, in one of Anya's books, she actually says that it's very important to be fit as a rider. And she even recommends taking some physical therapy or personal trainer or some um, gymnastic routine, something to get yourself into balance and into a like a certain fitness shape to be able to sit on your horse properly. Because it's just not fair to the horse. If we are completely out of balance and crooked, it carries on to the horse and we are working so hard with clicker training to get them into balance but then if we put ourselves on in the saddle and we are completely unaware about our body the horse will feel that they are so sensitive they will just feel it and it will influence their movements so i think there is not one way to do this it's what's best for everybody it can be physical therapy It can be Pilates. We had insight into Feldenkrais, which is obviously a a wonderful way to to get into better body alignment, body awareness. And it can be yoga. I mean, you name it. I just think whatever you choose, you have to keep up with it and you have to do it
0: on a regular basis. You're a Pilates instructor and if I were looking for a good teacher, whether it's Pilates or yoga or Tai Chi or Feldenkrais. What would be some characteristics that would help me find and separate out who's going to really be a good teacher who I can trust and learn from? Are there things that I, in general, that I could look for? I mean, clearly, I need to find somebody who I enjoy working with, somebody whose personality is a good fit with mine. You could have a superb teacher, but if... If our personalities just don't match, we're not going to be happy.
2: I think whatever interests you, I would first of all use our 21st century technology and start getting a good education about that particular, let's say it is Pilates, so to just educate myself what it is all about. And then when you choose whatever fitness or um, exercise routine um, you want, you try to find out who is offering this in your area. And it never hurts really kind of interviewing your future teacher. Where did you take your education? How long did it take to get certified? How long have you been teaching? Um, Have you experienced with special cases? Because let's face it, All of us have some sort of injuries or all of our bodies have have a history and it's good to find somebody who can take care of the individual issues our bodies have and then also ask how often do you work in that method, do you do it on a regular basis, do you keep taking lessons for somebody then also you will see it, like the way those people move, how they stand in front of you. If it's somebody who doesn't look like in balance to you, I don't think they are somebody who's really doing their own fitness regime.
0: <laughs> That's a great answer. Great answer. So our adventures continued. We left Germany, drove through Austria, through the Austrian Alps. Very beautiful. And arrived in Italy for a visit to Verona, and that was an incredible treat because we were joined by Luca, a friend of Michaela's, who's also a TAG Teach instructor and was trained as an archaeologist. So Michaela, I think you should, you should share a little bit of that adventure.
1: <laughs> yes, I have a good friend in, who is from Verona. Luca Caneva, and he's part of TACTeach, uh, he's a Taktič faculty member and has been doing clicker training with his dogs and teaching dog clicker training. And yeah, he just happened to be uh, also an archaeologist and knows really a lot about Verona. So, as coming down from Bavaria to, to Italy to continue to Parma, we basically passed by Verona, and I said, we cannot, you know, just pass Verona. <laughs> So um, he um, waited for us there, and we met, and he showed us around the arena and the Romeo the, the and Juliet. Romeo,
0: the the Roman arena. The Roman arena. Yes. Oh, okay. not, it's not just an arena. The, yes. The arena, right. <laughs> right. Where
1: the, um, the opera, the Verona opera, open-air opera takes place during summer. So you have uh, opera AIDA performance. They set up the AIDA scenery as we visited the Roman arena, for example, and he showed us... Uh, yeah, all the roman pieces that were still lying around in the city
0: yeah he, he it, it was really it was really fun going with him because as we were walking along he pause and he'd say now now look down there so we were we were looking in the window of a bank but if you looked at the lower part of the window you were looking down into the basement level at the floor of a Roman ruin, where you could see the mosaic tiles. The tiles, yes. Yeah, that was really fun. And you could easily walk right by that and never know it was there. It was so much fun going with Luca because he showed us so many uh, parts of the city and bits of the history that just walking, you you would just never, never see. Like that wonderful well, you went down this very narrow side street, and at the end of the side street, was a well that had ropes going up to the second floor of the buildings on either side of it. So when you were up in the second floor, you could just winch the, a bucket up from the well and winch it right up to your apartment.
1: And that's a medieval well? Yes, yes. From the medieval. Yeah, we also looked at the medieval castle and uh, had a very nice ice cream.
2: <laughs> Actually, we had pizza, of course and we went to the restaurant that has the original recipe of the pizza margarita Mm -hmm. so i thought that's worth highlighting yes
0: (laughs) yes so we had a great time in in verona it was really what a a wonderful travel adventure we stayed together as a group we had meals together we shared lovely apartment when we were staying at Anya's so that at night we could talk about the training, we could talk about clicker training, of course, we could talk about horses endlessly. It was just really glorious. We left Verona and drove on to Parma for the next part of the adventure, which was a clicker training course that Michaela had arranged. And it was at the facility where you keep your two horses and where that's owned by your good friend Julia what she's creating and and she's in the process of creating it but what she's creating is just an astounding astounding facility for horses
1: yes Julia Gaibazzi she's a very young horse trainer with her husband Uh, they are in their early 30s they have created um, now finally their own dream come true Uh, they've always kept uh, well for since 10 years already uh, have had boarding barns but always rented and where they 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 bought it Um, but at the same time they were creating their little by little their own their own place and they have the horses welfare first 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 uh, and actually the horses place was developed first before anybody else anything else
0: (laughs) You you have to describe how you get to this horse facility.
1: It's up in the Apennines, so from Palma, which is still in the valley, you drive um, about 25 minutes until you reach the foot of the mountain. And then at a certain point you have to turn left and go four kilometers pretty steep uphill on a tiny serpentine road for two kilometers.
0: hairpin turn after hairpin turn after hairpin turn. You don't quite get the impression just from your description. It is, you've no sooner completed one hairpin turn than you're into another one. And people, and it's a narrow little car track, barely enough room Mm. to, right. In fact, not really enough room to pass. And of course, we had horses who were trucking in for the weekend. So people were having to take horse trailers up this very narrow, steep, winding, hairpin turn road. But they all manage I've
1: sent them a video before they know where they're going into, how it looks like. And uh, yeah, so after the two kilometers, you reach a very well-kept, beautiful, tiny village. And you are not yet there. So you have another two kilometers on a gravel road through the forest. And then you are reaching Julia's place. And with big, well, if I say paddocks, it also doesn't really describes it well, because it's, uh, it's basically just a fence a confinement set up in the forest uh, for our horses. We have a herd of four horses, resident horses, and uh, Julia is taking horses in training. And, um, but she keeps the number low because she wants to dedicate really all her time to the horses, and she doesn't give any lessons there unless you come with your own horse maybe for a weekend. Uh, so we have few horses, but we make sure that they are getting all the attention and all the all the care they they need. And we have a nice uh, outdoor arena with a good footing and uh, beautiful surroundings, which is really in the middle of a natural forest. So there's no agriculture or anything going on there. It's uh, we have lots of wildlife and including wolves, including wolves. <laughs> so if you're lucky, you hear one. And uh, Julia and her husbands do see them. <laughs>
0: and wild boar and deer and hares and everything. It was exquisitely, exquisitely beautiful. And one of the one of the most beautiful settings I've been in to have a clinic and, and so remote and quiet. You truly, truly had stepped out of the world to go there. And I, I gather over time they're going to want to set up sort of permanent camping tent type of facility so you can really stay with your horse is that part of
1: the plan the plan is they want to organize workshops so you cannot just go there and camp they want to maintain well the access is everybody can come but you cannot just come there and 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 rent so they they want to maintain it in a way that people who are really interested in what they are doing either what her husband is doing or what she's doing with the horse training for workshops you can come and camp uh, and they set up two permanent tents but one of them will be for to sleep and the other
0: one will be more for workshops to have an inside part. I could really see in at some future clicker training workshop there that we really could stay more, more up on that mountain. I mean talk about an incredible horse vacation with your horses or even when you come to the clicker clinics at, without your horse it's just a participant without a horse. It's just such an incredible, incredible adventure and vacation. So we had 3 days of clicker training which was always fun. We had <laughs> we had a UN gathering. So we had some people who okay. spoke English and and some other language, <laughs> thank goodness. And we had some people who were German speakers, but that was but their English was not very fluent. We had some people who spoke Italian and whose English or German was not sufficient for really understanding. So we had a really fun time with all of the translations. And I think we laughed more in that clinic than we do in almost any other. There's something about needing to pause and translate and, and make sure everybody understands that just brings a group together and makes you smile. We had Miriam, who's a tremendous translator for the Italian and she brought her young horse, her, let's see, so Galileo is...
1: A Maremano. It's yeah. an Italian breed.
0: And he's how old? One that? and a half. Yeah. Were well, from April, so... And can you describe this yearling to people? <laughs> I'm not sure anyone will actually believe it. I think he's uh,
1: an old, wise man in a very young body. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: He was so unbelievably calm. This was his first trip away, and nothing bothered him, nothing worried him. He could walk around up into the woods on trail walks, he could come down into the arena. He was such a well-settled, emotionally calm, open to anything youngster. Young stallion, yeah. one should add. It was He was so impressive, so impressive. His breeder has done a superb job raising her horses, and Miriam has done a superb job in bringing him on as a youngster. Really, really fun to see. So we had this great stair step, which is what we wanted in the clinics. This was a connect the dots clinic. We really wanted to bring a lot of the pieces together So we had some of the very early beginning work that you would do with clicker training. We had people in the course who were very new to clicker training, had one person had only been clicker training for I think three months. We had other people who had been clicker training for years. We had horses who were in the early stages of clicker training. We had some horses who have clearly done a great deal more and, and then we had Michaela, your horses, where they have progressed beautifully because you have been combining the clicker training, my work, with the gymnastic work of Anya Baron. And both of us have a really strong interest in the classical dressage. For me, the clicker training, it's not something different. It's not something separate. It's not something other than the classical dressage. It is simply taking that work and breaking it down into smaller components so that you can learn it more easily, especially when you don't have access to someone like Anya. How do you learn it? How do you access this work when you're on the other side of the planet? And what we wanted to look at in this workshop were the connecting pieces. How do these early steps where we're in the runway, when we're teaching mat work, when we're focusing in on the details of food delivery, for example, how do those connect to the work in hand that I teach, the Tai Chi rope handling, work in hand, the lateral flexions, and that under saddle leads to the single rein riding, which then under saddle leads to the gymnastic work. And we had an incredible 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 dot connector. What a treat we had that you arranged for us. So we had each day a Feldenkrais lesson.
1: Yes, that's really a pleasure. Natalie van Kauenberge is Belgian origin but she's been living in Italy for a very long time already. She has the most amazing background. She has a career as a ballet dancer. Uh, she danced in uh, Paris and different all over the world with uh, the most famous ballet dancers. And after that, she came to Italy and was requested to help with the national gymnasts team. So she has worked with young women and brought some of them to Olympic level. She went to uh, three Olympic Games with some of the athletes and continued working now also at, at national level and in order to help these young athletes to to stay healthy in their bodies uh, she has started some um, getting interested in ferlenkreis and uh, has done the the instructor's course which takes four years and is using that still with with the, the athletes with to help them stay, stay sound. But she is so fascinated by the work. She said that she really wants to do more or less only Feldenkrais now. And I am taking lessons with her now, can't remember, probably three years. I'm taking weekly lessons and this has brought my writing forward amazingly, much more than any other writing instructor or also could have. So it's uh, it's a very, very interesting work. And because of that, I asked her if she could give us um, awareness through movement lessons, which is done superbly.
0: She picked out three lessons that were specific for our group. Each day you just felt so different and so much better after those sessions. But Rebecca, this was your first exposure to Feldenkrais. I
2: really, really liked it a lot. I'm very open to explore. Well, I am a professional Pilates instructor, and that is probably my first love in this context. But I was really looking forward to this because I have heard over the years a lot of positive things about Feldenkrais, especially since I'm also a physical therapist and there's lots of um, physical therapists who are getting into Feldenkrais. And it was really, really great. And I have a pretty good body awareness (laughs) because of what I'm doing. So I think I could really feel what Natalie was doing with us. And I could really feel how I get more mobile every day. It was also like a great break like we did it in the middle of the day so we had clicker training in the morning and then again in the late afternoon until in the evening like it was a really long day so i really really loved that we had the opportunity to move ourselves in the middle of the day and natalie was just fantastic she speaks very little english no german fluent italian (laughs) and michaela had to translate so i think it was her first time teaching feldenkrais and she did an awesome job And yeah, as I said, I really, really enjoyed it. And I can only say I will never stop doing Pilates, but I think uh, Feldenkrais and Pilates would complement one each other very well, because there are a lot of similarities in the goal, what we are trying to achieve, but the how you do it is different. And yeah, I I, I will totally explore this more and I will let you know later how, (laughs) how it works together.
0: I think one of the most extraordinary things of the whole weekend was watching on the third day, Natalie gave us what she said was a very hard lesson, it was one of the original Feldenkrais lessons, but it was perfect for what we would need as riders. So we all managed to do a first approximation in, which was fine, and then she demoed for us what it can look like. Just extraordinary. I so wish everybody could have seen that. I had no clue a human body could move. I couldn't move the way that she can. How much she, how the mobility in her body, and her ability to separate all, one body part and then reintegrate it, it was, I, I don't even know how to begin to describe it. So I'm handing the mic over to Michaela. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think uh, we have to see it. So um, we'll see. She promised us a video that we maybe can share on the members section. Maybe. Yes, (laughs) yes. If she allows us to do that. But uh, yeah, I couldn't do the lessons with you because I was trying to uh, figure out how to describe that in English. Although I observed myself doing the movements standing as you were doing it. And but I've done she tested all of them with me before, before that, and they had a, a huge, huge effect on, on, yeah, the difference between the, because in Christ you do a baseline, how is your body now at the moment, and you go through the different exercises and then you do, um, a comparison to the baseline and the effect was just so drastic and how it relates to writing was so obvious and, uh, yeah, I've seen her move before. So, but it, it is, it is incredible because it's, it's exactly what we need on the horse so she she was showing how freely the body can move if you have a free spine so it starts with a with a free spine and then we don't need to worry about tensing our arms which is a big problem because we are so arm oriented or gripping with the legs if you can keep your spine free and let the gravity set sit you on the horse trying to hold you hold yourself there and then you can be free and then you can be light and then you may be able to Look something like Anya and Vera. <laughs>
0: <laughs> for me, the Feldenkrais work has always been an important piece. It sits very much in the background of how I think about the horses and the training and the communication that we have with the horses and the asking of questions and the exploration of balance. So the Feldenkrais work is important to me, not just for my own body awareness and the, the good health of my spine, but it's also important to help me understand how to communicate better with the horses. So it's absolutely worth exploring. Yeah, if you can find a good Feldenkrais practitioner in your area, do check them out
1: maybe we should also add that what you are already teaching us Alex is uh, it's not a it's it's not a leap to go to Feldenkrais because it's it's already what we are doing with the horses right so it's the same it's the same approach uh, helping him to find the fluidity and and easy movement you know that you can do effortless as uh, Rebecca has already started uh, in the context of Anya yeah. so we have effortless movements if we are able to to reach this level of uh, freeness and in, in, in ease in our body. And with your work, we have also learned to, to help the horses to, to get there. And obviously, we also have to get help so we can get there too. And the Feldenkrais instructor is, is certainly one of the ways to do that.
0: We, we wanted this course to be a connect-the-dots course. So, again, would you like to talk a little bit about what that means to you and why this has been so important to you to organize this and to bring us together not just for clicker training clinic but to connect it to Anya's workshop
1: yes to connect it to Anya's workshop actually by the end of the clinic I saw even many more dots (laughs) that need to be connected but as we set out for the for the workshop my yeah aim was a little bit to to connect classical dressage work with yours which is Im- it's embedded as you said it's the same but it's not obvious for everybody so as clicker trainers in we may be focusing on lots of technology uh, how to teach things and that is obviously very very important and uh, very exciting and, and and lovely but I think whether you ride or you don't ride we need to help the horses in their bodies and and you may have horses that are most of them probably are are stiff as we are and crooked as we are and especially if you write and you want to sit on them we are responsible for their for their health and that as we sit on them we don't harm their health and I think that Anya's work is important for us from I said before for me it's always the the what I teach I take from from Anya, as I said in the last podcast and how I teach it is from from Alex and visiting Anya's, I get an eye for which movement, which which type of, what I look at if I want to train that movement. I need to see how a good movement looks like so I can shape it, the approximations. And so to help others that maybe don't have the chance to go and see Anya, to get them, help them to, yeah, to see the connections between all the work that we do with the clicker training that, that you teach, Alex, and how do we get from from the beginnings of a lateral flexion and the first approximation and the runway lesson and the you know why would you leave me game how this then develops and progresses in something that is then later on called a shoulder in and all the lateral work and and all the fun stuff yes that we see uh, others do but we get there in a in a much more sophisticated way and ethical way and
2: I need to add something here. I remember, Michaela, you said in one of the last, uh, I think the last podcast that with regular horse riding instruction, you never really understood what they wanted from me and I feel the same way or this whole inside leg to outside rein, you, you talked about it. And I really think that those of us who don't have access to teachers like Anya and are not as skilled as she is... Alex has really, first of all, created a language that we can understand and tools that we can use and make all of these movements that look so difficult accessible for us. And um, during the workshop, I really have to tell you, Alex made us walk all these lateral movements, but it was so much fun and more more so it really explained and, and you got a really good understanding and what we want in the horse and when i teach pilates i always say i cannot teach what i don't have in my own body and that's the same here like after feeling what you should do in those sideways movements i feel more confident to teach it to my horse when i go back home and it was such a
0: valuable lesson and i have never done it like that before it's sort of a fork in the road because i i want to uh... When you said, I see even more dots, of course, I want to jump on that and say, what are the more dots? But I also want, Dominique couldn't be with us tonight when we did this recording, but at the end of the last podcast, after we turned off the microphone, of course, Dominique made this amazing, just wonderful statement of that riding is a privilege, and I love that. It really is, that riding is a privilege, that getting up on the back of a horse is a privilege, That if we're going to do that, there's a responsibility that goes along with becoming an educated rider and really doing the work in our own bodies, first to do no harm, and then to be able to really help a horse to be better in his own body through the work. So what were some of the new dots?
1: Well, the the obvious one was how the clicker training and the classical dressage combine together uh, the other one that's also inherent in your teaching as the Feldenkrais work so those three are sort of the more obvious layers but uh, that probably we can maybe improve in in how to other help others see these connections right. the other well, dots are linked to how we treat each other because we It was um, Natalie who said that, she said that as we are, as she went through the process of learning Feldenkrais in the instructor's course, they, they told her or predicted that she will have quite a change in all her, the life she's living. And she said that actually she has changed what she's wearing, the types of clothes she's wearing, the shoes she's wearing, but also the people she's surrounded with, because she, she's now. Staying in touch with people that are positive, that have uh, that she enjoys being with, that are not, you know, always seeing the bad things in everything. And in a way, for us, it's the same. We are as, as we are more and more into this whole mindset of clicker training and positive reinforcement, and we want to treat each other equally with the same kindness that we treat our our horses or hope to treat our horses. And uh, this is this is part of it so we also need to learn how to communicate you know because it's we also don't have good models in 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 our environment we may have but uh, many do not have or not only (laughs) so there's a lot of effort we need to put into communication so you may be seeing something you don't like but do you have to say it maybe you can if you need to say it maybe to protect another being how can you say it without shutting any doors and this is 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 also requiring a
0: lot of effort because we need to learn that too. Yes. Yes. A lot of effort and self restraint because it can feel really good to to crap. But that was one of the comments that Julia made yes. about the whole weekend. How it it was not just how oh, we were nice to the horses, but the whole atmosphere and the way that that people who related to one another and talk to one another
1: maybe i add julia has seen me clicker training for the last eight years but she has never really explored it further so she was very you know sympathetic to it but uh, hasn't because she was learning other things so she was uh, learning more about classical dressage and that was her focus and of course setting up this beautiful beautiful place but she has now because this was the occasion you know Alex coming to her home that she said uh, I participate and she has prepared her horses both of them and explored clicker training you yeah, know by the book and she she was expecting you know some technology uh, on on how to do positive reinforcement training basically and she said she's the experience was so much more than that so she has not expected that at all and what was so outstanding was she said that, yeah, how do did, how did people interact with each other? She has never been to an, a, a clinic where there was no judgment and no criticism. Yeah. Yeah. So she was expecting a lot of criticism, be- but there was none. <laughs> to the contrary, everybody was complimenting her for a nice, beautiful place. And she, uh, she also said that, in our interactions, as we were sitting during lunch, the um, the chats, you know, at the, at the fence and so on. She said people were clicking each other all the time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, without clickers. <laughs> no, but there was positive reinforcement yes, going on all yes. the time. And that was the communication among us. And uh, yeah, that's that's another important piece.
0: It can't be just for the horses. We can't be. Clicker training our horses and using positive reinforcement with our horses and not extend the same courtesy to the people around us. And it is a skill and it does require a lot of practice and it does require a lot of self restraint at times. But I think that's one of the great values of these clinics is that you get to spend three days in an atmosphere that is truly positively oriented. And I think one of the, the sort of the proof of the pudding is this whole adventure that we've been describing. So the, the the fourth member of our travel team has already sadly had to catch a train to head off on the next part of her adventure. But we were also joined by Heather Binns from Australia. So we had four of us traveling together. None of us know each other terribly well. I had just met Rebecca for the first time, and yet we've spent all of this time together and really enjoyed each other's company, really enjoyed each other's company. And that's because we're all practicing clicker trainers and it just makes it so joyful. So we're almost at the end of our adventure. We'll be heading, I'll be heading back home tomorrow, but I wanted to send this postcard from Italy. So Dominique and and everyone else who's listening in on this, if we do the same sort of thing next year, you'll definitely have to join us because what an adventure, what an incredible horse adventure this has been. So thank you for both of you for joining me in my postcard and we'll we'll say good night. Good night. Good night. (laughs) This was a long conversation. We were recording it late at night at the end of a very long day. When I turned the mic off, you would think that would be it, that we'd be done. But no, we kept on talking. And Michaela and Rebecca were saying some really interesting things. So I turned the mic back on really fast so I could jump us back into the conversation.
2: Everybody was um, admiring everybody. And even if somebody, did the smallest step. I mean, Julia obviously didn't know as much, but when she, on the second day already, first she was doing the same mistake I was doing with feeding down there, because when you said feed where the perfect horse would be, I thought, oh, I'm practicing head lowering, so he's perfect down there. And I kept bending down, remember? Mm -hmm. And she did the same thing. And I'm like, oh, cool, I'm not alone. So, (laughs) So then she had learned, so the next day, just by making her food delivery better, lady looked so much different everybody's just like oh my god look at her wow great yeah, yeah. so it wasn't about oh look at her she doesn't even know what she's doing right. it was positive oh look right. at her where she is right, right? Yeah. no
0: competition right exactly no com- and, and nobody's getting jealous because oh that horse is doing better than my nope. horse that that horse that horse was allowed to go into the runway and my horse has to stay mm-hmm. out and just do and what i've always seen What I've always seen and loved in the clicker training is that people root for each other. Mm -hmm. You know, I I just love that, because there'll be somebody who's, one of the classic ones was a, a woman who was very afraid to ride, very afraid. And she had the darling horse who was a caretaker par excellence. And at one point in the clinic, she she without without needing to be told she made the decision that she was ready to go over to the mounting block and get on her horse and it was such a triumph for her and everybody everybody was rooting for her applauding her and I loved how supportive everyone was and that's Always been the case at clicker clinics. There's something about clicker training that creates that that feeling of of rooting for each other, supporting one another, sharing. It's something you want to share, hmm. and uh, it, it creates just the best gatherings. Just the best gatherings.
1: Normally, you have the people on the fence
0: saying, uh, "Yeah, criticizing." Yeah. And... yeah. So very lovely to be able to step out of that world and go up down to that mountain where you mm-hmm. you step into a magical world of horses and... I mean, um,
2: just look at Michaela. Had one of the participants work with her own horse, Gaya. That's something very unusual in yes. the regular horse world. You didn't know the person before, and yet you were just very open to have her play with your horse. And I think that was amazing. And yes, was, was she doing it perfect in the beginning? Not. Did you jump in and took the horse away from her? No,
0: you didn't. Oh, I wish we'd gotten on video. The look on oh, her face. Yeah. When she first felt Kraya stepping laterally, and yeah. when she felt her, her yes. minuet hand, and don't worry if you don't know what a minuet hand is, when she felt when she felt Kraya yeah, stepping over, she just her, she just got all bubbly with excitement. Yes, that,
1: that oh, was fantastic. Yeah.
0: That was fantastic. A
1: smile from one ear to the yeah. other. Yeah,
0: that was probably one of the highlights yes. of the whole weekend to see that. Yeah, That's
1: it really nice. was.
0: And, and still she's still a young horse, she's still learning all of this, but what a phenomenal teacher she was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she was great.
3: Yeah.
0: Okay, she's yes, great. Yeah. she was great. Wonderful weekend. Yeah So before
1: you stop the recording, because maybe you can fit it in some point because another connecting dot was uh, or is the environment we create for us and our horses Very lucky to have been allowed to to uh, place my horses with Julia's because it's such a amazing beautiful place and I can trust Julia fully probably even more than myself in treating the horses while taking care of them so this is, is exceptional really exceptional and it creates for the horses a lovely environment you know but also for the people coming there enjoying enjoying it and it's important um, we think where the horses are and and many live in, have to board in places that are suboptimal and I've been in suboptimal places before that and uh, but we have to keep searching and keep trying to improve and and find ways Even if you cannot find the perfect place is there a way you can work maybe with the barn owner is there a way you can use your communication skills to get them to do some adjustments and and uh, try to make the environment better for them so they have a good life also when the other times of the day so if you are not you're not there 24 hours to clicker train your horse and keep them in a positive reinforcement setting you are there maybe if you're lucky you are there a few hours every day but um, what about the rest of the time and they may make experiences that are not in the positive reinforcement the clicker training umbrella so that's also part of our responsibility
0: definitely and as someone who boarded forever until we built the new barn I know very much the obstacles people are often up against in creating an environment that is comfortable for their horse and also that's comfortable for them so that they're not feeling as though they have to hide behind the barn to clicker train. But as more of us learn these communication skills and gain the confidence that this is a good path to be on for horses, it may be that we will also develop more of a network and better ways of creating those changes in the barns that we do keep our horses in and gradually we'll be joined by other clicker trainers and that helps and it's all to the good it's all to the good and every now and then it's nice to see a barn that that is really set up for the horses what does it look like because if you've never been in a barn that is, and it's not a barn because she doesn't have a barn, <laughs> but facility where a tremendous thought has been given to the comfort and emotional comfort of the horses as well as the physical needs of the horses. You may not have the imagination yet, the repertoire, to be able to say, oh, oh, I can, if I, maybe we could make this little change at the barn that would make a big difference for the horses. You know, something as simple as those um, fly traps that were hung out that just makes it a little more pleasant for the horses that are standing out. Is that something you can do? Or all these little things and the things that you did in your previous boarding barn for your horses. It's really important. All right, so shall I turn this off? Yeah. Okay.
3: Alex, thank you so much for this wonderful postcard from Italy. It has been really interesting to hear you guys talk about how one can connect clicker training and classical dressage also i really love the conversation about slow and careful preparation what was it you said prepare prepare and then let it happen it seems that no matter how we look at it good training is always synonym with finding the tiniest easiest step that the animal can perform successfully and then building on that one little step at a time gradually moving forward. Thin slicing and clean loops really are the hallmark of good training. And speaking of good training, I want to remind everyone that our webinar with Ken Ramirez is coming up this weekend on Saturday August 18, 2018. At noon Eastern Time. Our webinars are a great opportunity to learn with the best teachers without leaving your home or your animals behind. And if you can't make it on Saturday don't worry because we will provide you with the recording of the webinar so you can watch it and re-watch it whenever you want in the comfort of your home. Because there's so much content in these webinars, I find that having the possibility to watch more than once really helps to get the most out of them. Also, when you register, you will be given access to the webinar forum where you can continue the conversation and share your thoughts and afterthoughts with the other participants. To register, please visit Equiosity.com. Alex and I really look forward to seeing you at the webinar.